0: And use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
1: And welcome back for another edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Colby Conley, at Colby R. Conway on Twitter. And with me back in the saddle this week, rested, recovered, he's got the voice back is Matt Sells at The Salesman on Twitter. So, Matt, how are you feeling? How's everything going over there for you?
2: Uh, I'm feeling pretty good, feeling jazzed up. You know, we got uh, the closing month here of the MLB season. We got some wild playoff races still going, we got a major um, MVP race going in the uh, al and uh we get the start of football this week too so got uh i am now covering four sports starting this week because we got baseball nfl f1 and nascar so a lot of stuff
1: happening over here yeah absolutely i got two sports not quite your four i'm doing i guess i'm doing about half the work you are I got baseball and football we're gonna have a ton of week one content so whether you know, if you play on Thrive Fantasy, if you play over on Prize Picks, Underdog, if you do just, you know, regular sports betting, or you make lineups on FanDuel and DraftKings, there is going to be ample NFL content. And if you still have any drafts, like I know I have one draft um, the night before the season starts, some people will maybe draft heading into this weekend, but make sure you check out the NFL Draft Guide. It is free, there's a ton of rankings, a lot of great information in there as well. So make sure you check out that. And then, of course, again, you'll have all of your NFL Week One content as well as all of Matt's F1 and NASCAR content. And as always, we're in discord answering any questions that there might be. So fire away if you are in there, but Matt, you already talked about some crazy playoff races. And the main one, we got to talk about uh, James Grande at the underscore real underscore Grande is obviously not here for this episode. And that might be for the better as there might be. I don't know what kind of word to use to describe what is happening in New York. Is it like a, a, a meteoric, or I guess it could be the reverse of that, but just an absolute seismic, seismic collapse in New York. Yankees are struggling to say the least. If you look at their record over the last, you know, I mean, you can really pick and choose when you want to look at, but this team is struggling bad. Like I'm pulling it up here quick and they're below 500, definitely in August struggling in September Air, Andrew Benintendi trade deadline guy has a hook, a broken hook bone and the handmate. And we all, We, you know, pick any random episode of this podcast and you'll hear us talking about, quote, we don't like hand or wrist issues for hitters. It never ends well. Of course, it usually saps power and Ben Attendee has like negative six of that anyway. So maybe that wouldn't be the biggest concern. Um, But, Matt, we really have two big storylines with the Yankees. And on our show sheet here, I wrote Aaron Judge, yay. New York Yankees, nay. That's pretty much what we're talking about. Judge is chasing the team record, and the Yankees are also chasing an, an absolutely historic collapse if things don't pan out here the rest of the way. So talk to me about Judge and just <laughs> the state of affairs in New York in, in general.
2: Yeah, by the way, is Judge having the greatest uh, screw you contract season of all time?
1: Cause he, I can't name one better. He He,
2: he didn't want to sign with the Yankees long term before the season started. He said he would you know, listen to all 30 teams in free agency, and now he's on pace to not only break the team record for home runs in the season, which is obviously Roger Maris' is 61, that's also the American League record because everybody that's broken that has all been National League with McGuire uh, and Sosa and Bonds all in the National League. But you could also make the argument that if Aaron Judge hits 62 home runs, he might be the legitimate home run king for a single season. I mean, there's no hint of steroids with him. Everybody else that's broken that mark has been linked to and or tested positive for steroids. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's insane. The other thing that's insane is he may hit 62 home runs and not win the AL MVP. There's a legitimate shot that he does not win the AL MVP because of what Shohei Otani is doing, because he's better this year than he was last year, and he won the MVP last year. Um, So, yeah, that part of of the Yankees is fantastic. Aaron Judge is putting on an absolute show every single night, but that's really good news stops right the yankees were up 15 and a half games at one point and james and i got on here about a month ago and said hey i don't think that we both said yeah i don't think the yankees are holding this division i'd like either toronto or tampa is going to beat them um and unfortunately uh well fortunately for everybody who's not a yankees fan which is most of baseball um That prophecy seems to be coming true right now. Um, They just don't have enough pitching. It doesn't matter what their offense can cobble together. They have zero pitching outside of Garrett Cole, which has been the problem for two years. So it's not really that shocking. They also don't have people that get on base at a very high rate. So if you're Homer or bust and you don't have pitching, how exactly are you going to hold on to division leads like it's it's not that hard to to tell that they were in trouble a while ago um i don't put this on aaron boone i put this on brian cashman i've been saying for two years i think he should be fired um because he's not done anything in 20 plus years at the helm of the yankees
1: and it's it'll be interesting to see what happens we talked about it at the trade deadline when you, you you typically can trade from strength, you can say that. Where you have strengths and you have depth, you can make those trades. Yankees didn't have pitching, yet they go get Frankie Montas, fine. Get a pitcher, it's fine. But then you trade a pitcher who was arguably the one constant in that outside of Garrett Cole, a constant in that rotation that has been, you know, sure, he wasn't going to compete for an AL Cy Young, but he at least was decent every time that he towed the rubber. And you send him excuse me to st louis for an outfielder that who knows when you're going to see him and he's great defensively that's cool but if he can run and play that's the other part of this whole thing like when when are we going to see him that that move at the deadline
2: cost them the division
1: yes and that's going to cost some stalwarts in the front office you know you've been calling for cashman's head for the past couple years If the Yankees blow this and it could even be something where if they if they it's crazy to think of saying a team about a month or so ago that was 15 and a half games up in the division is going to, quote, sneak into the playoffs. because That's what it feels like at this point. Yankees aren't making the playoffs. They're sneaking into the playoffs. If they get there, they're kind of getting there by the skin of their teeth. If they lose that first playoff series, that could be enough for the team to let go of Cashman, because what happened at the deadline is is just ridiculous and this team you can't have someone hit 50 plus home runs potentially 60 plus home runs on your team and not make noise in you know in the playoffs. you just can't have it so let me put it to you this way I think we're going to agree on the first part of this we'll see on the second part do you think Judge breaks Maris's record and the AL record and then do you think however you envision the season panning out do you see Cashman back in 2023 with the Yankees
2: So I think Judge breaks the record. I think he's hitting them at, as our colleague James Grande said to me earlier this morning, he's hitting them at the same clip that Bonds did. He's just played fewer games than Bonds did. Um, So I think there's enough time. Look, there's almost a whole month left to the season. I think there's enough time for Judge to break that record. He only needs, what, eight more. Um, So yes, and then the second part of that is I don't know that Cashman will be fired. I really desperately hope that he is. um, Because I think his argument is, well, I've still beefed up the farm system. Um, But if you go, well, he's been GM since like 95, so he's got several World Series. Well, no, not really, because the first three don't really count under him because he didn't build those rosters. Those weren't his teams. Those were the previous GM's teams. So. If you say that, well, he's lost the 2001 World Series. He lost the 2003 World Series. He won in 2009, right? Like, that's not really – meanwhile, Boston has won a few. Tampa's made it. Like, you know, you're getting outpaced by your division. So, yeah, I would hope that, that Cashman gets fired. And I desperately hope that Aaron Boone doesn't. Because, look, he had a flawed roster up 15 and a half games.
1: Yeah, and we'll have to see. And he looked down the stretch for, for the Yankees. I mean, there's a good chunk of games at home, which is obviously good. We know Judge's prowess in his home park. And then there's some other series there. Like, they get a couple games against Pittsburgh. They get Milwaukee, uh, Baltimore, and Texas to end the year. They're winnable games. The Yankees... Let's say it this way. There's still a chance they can win the division. It's not like we're completely writing them off. They can hold on. It's just a matter of they're going to sneak in and this team, I mean, let's be honest, sure they've they're well over 500 at this point, but at this point they are not a fearsome ball club. Like
2: No, they're th- definitely not getting the number 1 seed because it's going to go to Houston, who by the way will get Justin Verlander back in time for the playoffs. Um If they don't win their division, they're going to have to go on the road to play a three-game series on the road as a wild-card team, Um, which isn't great for them. So, yeah, I I would be absolutely floored if they make it out of the second—like, make it to the second round of the playoffs.
1: And that just goes to that point. You know, April, May, and June, especially, like, closer to the end of June after coming off a month where they went 22-6, and you did not want to face the Yankees. That was just simply put. You did not want to face them. It was like you were standing on the train tracks with the train coming. Whereas now you look five hundred in July, eight games under in August, and
2: yeah. By the way, that early. was the first August they've yep. had in twenty-one years, I think.
1: Yep. Yeah. This this team is not this, this team is not to be feared. When Garrett calls on the mound, sure. When Aaron Judge is up to bat, sure. Outside of that. Does this team really scare you that much at this point with the slide no. they've been on? It shouldn't. That's, hey, if you ask me, they should. We'll have to see how the rest of the year plays out. But the Yankees are in some serious, serious trouble. And again, I agree with you. If they get into the playoffs, if they win the first series, I would be surprised. I just, this team is, this, they, don't have, they don't have the horses to make a run for it. Another milestone we're watching, Albert Pujols. He's obviously getting close to 700 home runs. Uh, looks like the Cardinals have about 27 games left in the regular season, and he is sitting at 695 home runs. So he's about five away. Based on his current pace, he's going to blow it out of the water. He's 42 years old. He's not a spry chicken out there, but the Cardinals are going to do whatever they can to get him whatever at bats are needed because they they want him to get to 700 before season's end. So kind of like judge, do you expect pools to hit five more long balls in the last 27 games of the season?
2: Yeah, I think so. That's one every five games or so. I think that's doable. Look, he's DH'ing at this point, so he's not playing the field. All he's got to do is think about going up to bat three point four times a game or whatever it is. Um and look, if if people would stop robbing him of home runs, He'd have already been there. MLB Network showed <laughs> a montage the other night of, like, eight home runs that had already been jacked from him this year um, that would have him at 700. So I I think he gets there. I think he may get directly on 700 and kind of be the gatekeeper for that, um, which would be kind of cool, much like, isn't it, Roberto Clemente, who's the gatekeeper for the 500 home run club? But-
1: or it's three thousand hits sounds. I think he does have the three thousand.
2: I think he's a he's the gatekeeper for one of them because obviously he ended the season on it and then
1: it's the three thousand hits. That's where you do so. Right. The hits. Okay.
2: So Clemente's yeah the gatekeeper for the three thousand hit club. So I think holes might be the gatekeeper for the seven hundred home run club.
1: And when you look, they have twenty seven games. Like I said, the rest of the way series against. They end the year, obviously they're in Washington, but they play Washington, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, Cincy, San Diego, Dodgers, Milwaukee, and then they have six games to end the year uh, against Pittsburgh, which we talked about a little bit here. So that could be the time that he does it. If I, you know, we romanticize the the game of baseball, and the final three games against Pittsburgh are on the road. So the three games prior to that would be his three final home games in st louis i think that would be the ideal now, time. Here,
2: to here's turn. my question for you colby because you're a Pirates yes. fan. if he's sitting at 699 going into that home stand or going into the the pirates home stand you know the last three games of the this, this season against the cardinals do the cardinals or do the pirates avoid pitching to pool holes so they don't have to give up the momentous home run
1: i would hope not I would, really, too. I would that'd hope be really, that'd be be like, really there's crappy. nothing to
2: fight for. Let's just let history happen. But
1: Yeah, uh, and a guy as decorated and as heralded as Pools has been for what seems like 30 years now in the league and this little comeback that he's had now, especially right. in this season. I I would hope not. I personally hope if he's going to do it against Pittsburgh, do it at home. Do right. it in your park where you played the majority of your career or a good chunk of it at your prime. Do it in St. Louis. Don't do it in Pittsburgh.
2: You know, i would i would agree but we have seen guys bunt during no hitters when their team is down seven nothing true so, you know
1: it's they, and, and you know the other thing too is i'm sure if you're again you know baseball is a business we talk about it but if you're a pittsburgh you can probably up those ticket prices from like six or seven bucks to like 12 or 13 dollars when the else is there going for 700 so you know something to something to think about there but yeah, i think he, those I mean, or will be sold out (laughs) for that series. And they will probably be, for a milestone watch, probably the cheapest milestone tickets that you'll be able to And please, dear
2: God, somebody keep Zach Hempel out of the damn stadium.
1: Yes, keep that guy out of there. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Lance Lynn. I wrote him up in the daily roundup, so today, but it's Tuesday. So in the roundup, I talked about Lance Lynn, and I said Lance Lynn is back. And actually, I said he's all the way back. Now, the only thing is I equate it to uh, back when David Johnson's first year in Houston. I say, you know, David Johnson's a guy that you want to draft. And by the time he actually started performing, your team was probably out of the thick of things. And it didn't matter at that point anyway when he was giving you the 20 and 30-point games down the stretch. But Lance Lynn started the year late, came back, sucked, 5.88 year through his first 11 starts of the season. But now over his last five outings, we're talking about a 1.42 earned run average and eleven point three. K per nine. And in each of these five starts, he's gone at least five innings, has six or more strikeouts while allowing two or fewer earned runs. I'm looking at his pitch his pitch mix by game this season. Um, and the cutter has slowly decreased, and he's starting to use that curveball a little bit more, again, for a veteran to kind of look at just a one-year in terms of pitch mix. is a little cheating, to kind of prove my point. You know, I'm cheating it a little bit there. But he is back. The only problem is Those who drafted Lance Lynn may not be playing for anything right now, just given how bad he was when he did finally come back after a lengthy stint on the aisle to start the year. Um, It's encouraging nonetheless, but talk to me a little bit about Lance Lynn. and You have to agree, if someone is in their fantasy baseball playoffs and they made it, (laughs) if they made it with Lance Lynn, they're finally getting handsomely rewarded now.
2: Yeah. um, If you made it to your playoffs in spite of Lance Lynn's struggles, then he may be pitching well enough to win you a league, which is crazy to think about. Right. (laughs) Um, As for the White Sox, I guess it couldn't couldn't have come at a better time because they're struggling yet again under the confusing managerial ship of uh, Tony La Russa, who continues to make confounding decisions. and, by the way, though this isn't related, how in the world do you not walk uh, Luis Araiz the other night in Cease's no-hit bid? Like, h- h- how does that not happen? It wasn't a perfecto bid. It was a no-hit bid. So why not walk the AL leader in batting average to go get to a guy who's hitting, like, oh does Doesn't make any sense. So, I don't know. If he if if Lansling can pitch well in spite of tony la Russa, then then congrats to you and making the fantasy baseball playoffs uh because he will help you i think you i think your assessment is correct i think he has figured out his pitch mix and how to you know use them this season so yeah i i don't see any signs of him slowing down and look usually september they face a lot of divisional opponents and that division is terrible generally speaking, offensively, except for maybe the Twins. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's perfectly fine the rest of the way.
1: And I, you kind of hit the nail on the head. While some of these aren't necessarily divisional opponents, when you look at the White Sox schedule the rest of the way, they have obviously the current series of Seattle. Then they got Oakland, Colorado, Cleveland, Detroit, Cleveland, Detroit, Minnesota, San Diego, Minnesota. He's going to get... You know, looking at that Oakland-Colorado-Cleveland-Detroit-Cleveland-Detroit mix, he's going to get three-ish starts in there, and those are all offenses you can easily target. He's going to continue Detroit
2: is leading the majors in strikeout rate.
1: Well, they're leading in a lot of stuff that isn't good for an offense. Yeah,
2: and San Diego's (laughs) offense is struggling so bad that they booed Juan Soto at home
1: the other night. Oh, man, how the mighty have fallen.
2: He's hitting 135 right now after the trade. just...
1: He misses Washington too He's 19
2: on base percentage.
1: <laughs> he misses Washington too much. I actually talked about it. Hopefully hopefully this ends up aging well, but uh, in the underdog plays of the day for Tuesday, September 6th, I actually went at the San Diego lineup with Merrill Kelly in terms of his strikeouts, so that's going to be something we see there. But in DFS for the next couple of weeks, whenever Lance Lynn pitches, I know his price tag is going to get to the point where it's going to be tough to play him, but, I mean, good grief against Oakland or Detroit. Saddle up because he has been pitching well. Matt, we got you back this week, so we have to do a little bit of prospect talk. So last week, uh, when you were resting that that voice of yours, we talked about Corbin Carroll in the Arizona outfield, obviously an elite elite prospect, and that might be not, not quite doing him enough justice. There's been some growing pains. He's only a handful of games in, and it's really nothing that we haven't seen from any talented prospect that comes up. Batting average is a bit down compared to the minors. Strikeouts are a bit up. They're not walking as much. They want to make an impression. They know they know that the franchise is tied to them to a certain extent, so they might press a little bit. So talking about Corbin Carroll here, and you can mention a little bit about what he's done currently, which hasn't been much, admittedly, but this shouldn't taint his long-term profiles. He figures to be an elite fantasy asset for years to come.
2: Yeah. Um, in my latest update of my top 300, he is the number one overall prospect in my top 300. Uh, guy has ridiculous speed. He's also got some pretty intriguing pop that comes with that and a very good hit tool. So that makes for a very appetizing outfielder, um, you know, for for fantasy purposes. And, man, if Christian Robinson ever gets things straightened up with his visa, the Diamondbacks could have a very, very good outfield trio, of Christian Robinson, Alec Thomas, and Corbin Carroll, and that's no dismissing Dalton Varsho, who's already there and pretty good. Um, but yeah, Corbin Carroll is going to be a stud for, for a while. Um, I'm not sure, like if you pick him up now for fantasy playoffs, you're just banking that he can get on base enough to use his speed, um, or maybe sneak some extra runs cause he's so dang fast. Um, for example, he hit a chopper the other day in between, the pitcher in first base and wound up making it to third base because the pitcher had to rush the throw over through the first baseman and he wound up Corbin Carroll wound up at third base because he's fast as all get out so that's the kind of speed um, we're we're talking about like Trey Turner type speed if not a little quicker so he is a very interesting guy to uh, have in fantasy going forward.
1: We saw two pitchers make their debuts on Monday in Hunter Brown and Ryan Nelson. Hunter Brown is going to, uh, if you saw the pitching ninja tweet, uh, looks just like Justin Verlander in terms of delivery. You know, just in terms of delivery, um, he's not as tall. Correct. Yes, he has got the 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 delivery spitting image of the two, and we'll have to see. Does you know maybe you can maybe you can speak to this? Will Brown remain in the rotation upon Verlander's return, or they use him as a, just a strikeout? Heavy reliever because the stray got numbers have been there for him in the minors, and then Ryan Nelson looked very good for uh, Arizona in his debut, despite having a pretty horrific ERA in the minor. So to me, Brown is more intriguing, but that might be just cherry picking off the Houston pedigree and just kind of what I saw in that first start. But um, talking about Hunter Brown and Ryan Nelson,
2: yeah, no, I would agree. I would. I have Hunter Brown as a number two starter going like long term, um, not necessarily this year. I think um, until Verlander's back, I think Hunter Brown remains in the rotation. And then once the um, playoffs start, I think you see him be kind of a multi-inning relief guy just to get his feet wet in the postseason. And, you know, they've they've got some guys that are pitching really well in that rotation right now. And it'd be pretty unfair for a untested rookie to unseat them. Yeah. Um, You know, guys like Framber Valdez and Urquidy and um, those folks and Garcia have all been great so far. So I don't see him cracking the rotation in the playoffs. I think you're correct with a high strikeout reliever type guy um, for for the postseason. And then next year, he slots in probably as the number three or number four and works his way up into that number two spot in the Houston rotation. Ryan Nelson has some absolutely filthy stuff um can't take era terribly seriously in the minors because you don't know what the defense is also reno tends to be a massive uh offensive park for their triple a affiliate so it's really hard to judge um what pitchers are actually controlling in that environment other than strikeouts and walks which He seems to have down. Uh, He's got some absolutely filthy stuff. I think the Diamondbacks are just like, hey, let's get all these young guys up now. Um, Their service time won't count at this point, so let's see what they've got and we can start kind of piecing together what we're going to have for next year. Um, He will be in the rotation next year, I would assume. They have another guy who will be coming up next year as well who kind of has to uh, figure out a little bit of control issues, but Ryan Nelson and Hunter Brown are two very impressive pitchers. I would say the upside is more on Hunter Brown in terms of number two starter. I think Ryan Nelson more of a number three guy with a little higher strikeout than you would see for a number three starter. But that's where they shake out.
1: And then Baltimore obviously has a bevy of prospects that yes. we've been waiting for. You know, first it was Adley Rushman. Finally got to see him. We thought it was going to be Grayson Rodriguez. I haven't quite seen him yet. But we have seen seen Gunnar Henderson and again, smaller sample size. So it's tough to take his 311 expected batting average, like to carry it with too much weight as he's only played about a week's worth of games. But in that week, we've seen him do, I mean, what he's been advertised to be, you know, one homer, one steal, uh, 296 batting average. Again, strike out, maybe a little bit higher compared to what want to see like what he did at double a and the walk rate is down but again just put the bats in the ball right now that walk rate will settle in as he gets more accustomed to big league pitching but to me gunner henderson has been everything as advertised and a little bit more and you know talk to me long term obviously a solid fantasy asset but those that have him the rest of the way um how much of an impact can he make for the fantasy baseball postseason
2: yeah so in my latest top 300 i said corbin carroll was number one gunner henderson is number two in that list.
1: Um, How close, how close is that gap? It's pretty, it's,
2: it's pretty close. I mean, let's put it this way. There are a few different, um, prospect ranking folks that if Gunnar Henderson has, um, eligible, rookie eligibility left for next year, could be the number one prospect. And then it would be the first time, in a very long time, maybe ever, I can't remember, that the Oriole, that a team would have two different prospects be the number one prospect in baseball in back-to-back years because Adley Rutschman was number one last year. And there's a shot that Gunnar Henderson could be for next year. Um, so, yeah, he's very good. I comped him to the next coming of Manny Machado in Baltimore, um, a guy who plays shortstop, third base, has power, has speed, has a hit tool. Plays pretty good defense. He's basically the next coming of Manny Machado. But perhaps a scotch better in the speed department.
1: Those are big shoes to fill. You're putting on the poor guy.
2: Yeah, he's also a, he's. I believe he's lefty, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, so you got a lefty, Machado's a righty. That actually helps Henderson because right field didn't get changed in Camden Yards and left field did so that kind of helps henderson a little bit but yes i think i think he can easily be a 25 25 bat with a 290 plus batting average
1: baltimore would certainly love that and i mean their their trajectory is just the arrow is pointing up because of all this young talent they put it together a little bit this season that young talent is still there We haven't even seen the one that we've probably been excited for a while in terms of Grayson Rodriguez because of that. I believe it was a shoulder issue that slowed down his campaign. I am I again, I have no insider information. I do not know. But it seemed like that call was close prior to that shoulder injury. It seemed very close. Yeah,
2: I think if he had had one more healthy start, he would have been called up. Um, So and just just for clarification, in my latest top 300, I have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six Orioles in the top. Forty-five prospects. That's Gunn be... Anderson, Grayson, Rodriguez, Jackson, Holiday, Colton, Cowser, DL Hall, and Kobe Mayo.
1: The tides could be turning in the American League East. It's no, That's it so might it no longer be
2: Westberg uh, or Stowers or uh, Heston Kirkstad. All of those guys are a little further away, but yes,
1: yep. It's we're we're looking at the time that seems so unfathomable of Baltimore running the American league East could be here sooner than we know it. Yes. They're there's so much young talent there. And we've talked about a couple of the prospects here on Baltimore, but also in terms of Nelson Brown, Carol. So Matt, let me ask you this. Who is the next, it might not be the next prospect that comes up here before season's end, but who's the next impact prospect that comes up that fantasy baseball managers need to know.
2: So, Look, it's a little tricky now to determine who's going to be called up because keep in mind that the September rosters are now only 28 guys instead of 40, mm-hmm. so it's not like a free-for-all um, that we normally see. Um, but there are some there are some guys that, that might make the run. I mean, I know Tristan Casas was just called up mm-hmm. the other day. Um, I don't see why Josh Jung couldn't be the next guy. Yeah. Um, He's been lighting the ball on fire. Um, you could see a guy like Curtis Mead get called up for Tampa if they need some offensive depth as they try to run down the Yankees um, in the AL East. So there's a few, there's a few different guys. There are some guys that I thought would be closer to coming up, and then they've struggled um, this year. Like Brendan Davis for the Cubs had an absolutely terrible season. This year, and I thought he was going to be up a lot quicker. Um, but yeah, obviously, Kate Cavalli lasted one start. And now we may not see him again this year because he got shut down. Um, but if you want an arm that might pop up for a little bit, I could see Bobby Miller getting the call for the Dodgers. Uh, he's a guy who's like a number two caliber starter. Um, and just to give some of their starters a rest before the postseason, I could see them making a call to get Bobby Miller up, and then keep him for the playoffs to get another high strikeout bullpen piece. Yep. Yeah.
1: So those are the names you all need to be on the lookout for, whether you're in roto leagues where you play the rest of the way, or if you're in matchup base leagues where you know you play someone each week trying to advance to the semifinals or maybe quarterfinals or championship to win your league. Those are some prospects that you can kind of keep on the back burner. But to wrap up this episode, Matt, just a quick, quick little segment on level of concern. James and I talked about Zach Wheeler to the IL and his forearm issue. To me, in simplest terms, what a wrist slash hand issue to a hitter is, is what the forearm is to a pitcher. It's a precursor to something that I don't like and I don't even want to say it. And, you know, everything was all very optimistic. Everything's going to be okay with Zach Lewis. It's fine. Minimum stay. And here you go. Sounds like he was ready to come back to throw. And nope. Reported continued soreness in his forearm. I don't like it. And in the injury report um, that I'm looking at here for this week, Ryan Hallam, a uh, fantasy alarm guy, as well, basically said the same things. Forearm is never good for a pitcher. But still, hey, Matt, the team isn't concerned despite the fact that it was going to be a minimum stay. Everything was fine. But there's continued soreness, but don't worry, everything is fine. So what's the level what's the real level of concern here for Zach Wheeler for the rest of this season at least?
2: For the rest of the season is a ten. I don't think we're seeing him again. Yeah, I think like
1: the think Phillies you're right.
2: aren't really in the playoff hunt. I mean, they could be, but they'd have to get unbelievably hot and then get everything to go their way. Um, which is not gonna happen. Um but look, we saw Bueller go down with, oh, he just has soreness in his forearm. He'll be fine. It'll be great. And then what happened? Three months later, he undergoes Tommy John and now costed, cost you next season. Um, I think we could be looking at the same thing for Wheeler. Like forearms almost always wind up in Tommy John surgery. And at this point, if he has it now, there's no shot he gets back for next year either. And as for their team being, uh, it, it's fine what are they the Mets training staff like the Mets said that for DeGrom starting in June of last year and we didn't see him until August of this year so like I don't know man I'm 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 pretty concerned for this year and next year for Zach Wheeler right now
1: I think I am too unfortunately and you know perfect segue talking about the good old uh, Mets pitching staff there so what do we make of Max Scherzer. They said it was just a precautionary move. It's fatigue, which I don't think we've ever heard of fatigue in Max Scherzer ever, as that guy's a bulldog on the mound and fatigue never gets him. But we do have, he missed some time with an oblique injury earlier on in the year. To my knowledge, from what I can see, I don't believe he's been a, or placed on the injured list yet, I don't believe. So we're still kind of waiting for news there. But the Mets obviously have lofty expectations, headlined by their 1-2 in DeGrom and Scherzer here for the postseason as they look to make a run for the World Series. So what is the level of concern for Max Scherzer in this quote-unquote fatigue issue?
2: For the rest of the regular season, I guess I'll put it at about... I guess I'll put it about an eight for the rest of the regular season. Um, We did see him miss time with an oblique earlier this year, the left oblique, which he said he had never injured in his entire career. Um, And now after the start against the Nats, which, by the way, he got outpitched by Patrick Corbin in that oh. start. Um, he said he felt soreness in his left side again, which is basically where your left oblique is. So I'm concerned. Look, they can't afford to really, like, skip him that much because the Braves are one game back. Like, as of yesterday, they were one game back in the division and charging, and they seem to have no bounds of stopping, uh, calling guys up that can help them. Um, And Carrasco still looked injured because he didn't exactly pitch very well (laughs) the other day either. So um, I would say it's about an eight on Scherzer because, look, if you got obliques can linger, and maybe that's the case here, but I don't know that you're going to get more than, like, two starts out of him the rest of the way at this point.
1: My my concern would be lessened if it's for the exact reason that you had said, say, if the Braves weren't where they were, even if they were six, if they've won six or seven fewer games and that lead in the division was closer to double digits than just one game. You could skip Scherzer for a start or two. You can send out David Peterson and you can get by with their offense, the way they're hitting. You can get by. But when you look there. Like you said, the Braves are nipping at their heels. They have all of these young people that they just call up and are automatically good. Then they just sign them to these insane deals that are super team friendly, and then they have them for the next eight, eight or so years anyway. So my level of concern, like yours, is heightened solely because Atlanta's in the fold there, and I mean within striking distance is obviously and it, the, the correct.
2: World champs, like yep. Let's not discount the fact that they came from under five hundred at the trade deadline last year. To win the World Series. Like, yeah. they know what they're doing, and the the Mets haven't done that in, like, forever.
1: Yeah. So I think I'm going to go with you. I'll, I'm going to go a step higher than you. I'm going to say it's about an eight and a half in terms of my concern with Max Scherzer. But obviously, this is the most important time in the fantasy baseball season, especially if you're in matchups and you're looking for that title. So if you do have any questions, if you are in the Fantasy Alarm Discord, post your questions there. And, you know, Matt, myself, Vreeland, Grande, all of the Fantasy Alarm folks, John, Howard, all of us are in there. We'd be happy to help you out. And, of course, again, if you are still drafting for fantasy football, the NFL Draft Guide is free. So check that out and get ready for week one content that should be coming out. Probably by the time you're listening to this, there should be some week one content already out there on the site. If you fancy yourselves in F1 and NASCAR content, Matt Sells is the guy. So make sure you give him a follow at the sellsman on Twitter. And Matt, I look forward to being back here about a week or so talking with you. And who knows, maybe we'll be talking about Poulos is at 700 if he had an insane run. We'll maybe talk about how the Yankees are now 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. Who knows what we'll get to talk about next week. But there's nothing short of plenty of storylines in Major League Baseball. So, again, make sure you give Matt Sells a follow at the sellsman on Twitter. I am at Colby R. Conway on Twitter. And we will see you next week for the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast.
0: Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than seven million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit PrizePicks.com/get100.